0: Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is your boy while you dig live action Kansas City, Missouri, and we are back again with another episode of the College Stutzer Show, formerly known as the Culture Talks, as y'all already know if you are current listeners. And look, I tell you guys every week, every single week, and I don't think I failed you yet. I don't. I mean, at least y'all got to tell me if I failed you, but I don't think I failed you yet. I'm back again with another fire guest, and I tell y'all every Friday I'm gonna come back with another fire guest. It's Friday again, you're listening to this, and we got a dope individual on. Um, so today, you know, per usual, we try to bring people on who are from the culture in some way or fashion that that look like the community that I'm around, you know, and are doing dope shit and have done things that are outside of the box. And here again, we've brought another person on that that, that does that. So go ahead and introduce yourself to the people, my brother.
1: I appreciate it, man. That was a smooth intro, man. That was crazy. We we're just having a conversation. Y- y- y'all ain't see how this dude just flipped the switch and became a personality. Then? I <laughs> you, I'm excited to be here. But uh, hey, what's going on, guys? My name is Faraz Amani. I'm from uh, Missouri City, Texas. Um, today, you know, I'm going to be talking about my background, working in commercial real estate and my journey, how I got here. And yeah, a lot of discussion about those different opportunities that are out
0: there for folks just like you. Love it. I love it. I love that you're from Missouri City just because, you know, I'm in Missouri right now. So, you know, I know uh, you're not Missouri City, Missouri, but, you know, keeps it keeps uh, it correct. So for people who aren't too familiar with Texas, can you um, share what's the closest thing Missouri City is to? Like, what what's the closest or what, I guess, county is it in or what big city is it close to? Yeah,
1: we're right outside of Houston, right outside of Houston. But, you know, we got our own little culture and, and sense of pride here in most cities. So, uh, we love it. I, I, and I've been here my whole life. i have born and raised in a small town t- town right next door called Sugarland. Um, I went to Austin for school for a while, uh, came back, but I've, I'm born in Texas, raised in Texas, and I'm, I'm gonna die in Texas. I'm gonna be here
0: my whole life. I love it. I love it. I've been wanting to go to Sugarland, Texas, just because there's that uh, Alphalete uh, gym and, and uh, Christian yep. Guzman and all those people are down there. I actually have a friend that just flew in yesterday. He's a I'm in the personal training industry outside of podcasting media. So um, I have a friend that just went down there, and he's at the new Alpha Land Space. I was like, damn, I'm trying to get down to the Houston area because it looks like all the healthy people is down there today. <laughs> <laughs> all the
1: healthy people. You should come around for the rodeo when they're eating fried Oreos, fried churros, and all of that. <laughs> but, uh, but, man, funny enough, I'm, Christian Guzman went to the same high school as me. With Shout out Dulles High School, man. He, oh, was, wow. he was a year ahead of us, and it's been crazy to see him. I mean, you watch some of his old YouTube videos yeah. from, like, early 2010s 2011s to where he's at now unbelievable i mean that, that you know that guy's doing phenomenal that new alpha land it's got to be one of the craziest gyms i've ever seen it's like a theme park it's so big sick.
0: super sick super sick i love it well brother let us know man so you know you said you're from missouri city texas born and raised plan on staying there for life so you obviously are a texan in and out can you kind of share you know what was your childhood like growing up and what why why have you developed such a passion and love for your town? A lot of people are trying to get out of their city, they're trying to leave to a bigger city, they're trying to go to LA, they're trying to go to New York, they just hate home. What about home like made you feel like this is where you want to be and build your career for the rest of your life?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I usually explain to people this way if you were if you were an alien and they dropped you in Texas and they said, all right, pick somewhere pick somewhere to live probably not going to pick Houston, Texas. I'm going to be honest with you. There's a lot of cooler places in Texas. Sometimes Austin, Texas, that's all the hype ever. And I lived there for several years. So I get the hype. Dallas, all these places, but, but home is home. Like Houston, I'm blessed to have my family live five minutes away from me. My wife's family lives five minutes away from me. My childhood friends, everybody's here. And I really like Texas. Like I'll travel and I'll I'll always get a longing to come back because it's just something about the place. People are awesome. The pace of, the pace of life is nice and slow and it's a ton of opportunities out here. I mean, every industry is out here. You meet a ton of interesting people here. Um, There's just a way of living out here that people tend to enjoy. And, and everyone I know that has come and spent time in Texas and moved out here,
0: uh,
1: people tend to love it. People tend to come here and not leave. Um, so, and, and I think that's my plan as
0: well. I love it. Me and my girl visited Austin a few months ago, and we're like, yeah, we like Austin, but we got to check out the rest of Texas as well, because, you know, there's nothing but positive energy coming out of Texas. That's one thing for real. I've never heard somebody say they hate, you know, where they live. They just might want to get out for a little bit. So what were some of your early interests, some of your early hobbies, you know, 10 year old Faraz, like, what were you doing? What did you think you were going to be when you were older? What was like exciting to you?
1: Yeah, I always grew up thinking I was gonna be a lawyer. And that's because my teachers would tell my parents I talk way too much, I'm arguing way too much and all of these things. And I think I saw a movie of uh, it was a it was a, like a John Grisham movie. John Grisham used to write these these like thriller law books and I watched one of the movies and I got really excited to be a lawyer and I even joined the debate team when I was in high school and I had a ton of success doing that. I was I was this Texas state champion actually for three years in a row in debate, which which hadn't been done you know, in, in the history of the it? state at that time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's awesome, man. I hope that was, I hope that's not where I peaked, but it, it honestly might be. So I, I gotta, I gotta watch out for that. But, but man, ultimately, then I went to the University of Texas. And, you know, what I learned is, I, I don't think I could do four more years or three more years of school or whatever that is, you know, that law school requires. Um, I, I had learned a ton just, just doing random things on the side and hustling while I was in school, we used to do all sorts of stuff for money back then, we would flip cell phones, we would, uh I don't know if I should be saying this on the podcast. We'd be helping people with their online courses and writing essays and all this kind of stuff. And so at a certain point, I realized, like, I'm not going to do more school. I left school and not knowing exactly what I wanted to do. Um, you know, lucky enough, I was in Austin. So there's a ton of jobs out there. I, I went, you know, I worked for some tech companies. I worked for a buddy startup. But real estate found me real, like, by luck. I had a manager at one of the companies I worked at that used to buy houses and flip them and hold them. And he was a real estate investor. And I remember at that time he was encouraging me for us. You should buy a house to live in. Don't throw your money away in rent. Go, you know, buy a house. So I went and bought a house, and he helped me through the whole process. And he liked the neighborhood so much. He's like, I'm going to buy two houses here too. I'm like, okay, hold up. He's he's buying a couple houses here then, and he must be he must be on something. He must he must be on something I don't know. And uh, so I went and I, I asked every and, you know at that time 2017 2018 Austin was already blowing up. Um, you know, it was the hottest place in Texas. So. I would come back home to Houston and ask folks, hey, are y'all trying to invest in Austin? Are you trying to, you know, there's doctors and all those folks in our community. And I, I would try to raise money and get some houses back then. And mind you, I, I barely had any money at that time. I was just starting to work. And uh, so I was able to raise some other people's money, buy some houses in Austin. And luckily enough, uh, you know, the market went crazy there. Um, we, we did really, really well for ourselves. And it opened up a ton of opportunities in real estate to us. But you know, I could go on and on and on, but I was
0: about to say, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa wait a second, yeah, a yeah, yeah. but I love yeah, that, yeah. I love that, so um, first off, remind me when we get off this podcast, I want to introduce you to my friend Ashcon he actually just bought a house in Austin uh, a little while ago, I think you guys would uh, get along, have a few similar interests, plus he's from, his family lives in Houston as well, so um so I want to talk a little bit about, you know, your time in college, though. So high school, you transitioned to college, obviously. I see you got your bachelor's of science. Did you not know what you wanted? To, I mean, were you were you planning to go to law school like your second, third and fourth year of college? Or did you already make your decision in that first year? You're like, nah, I'm not about to do this. Let me just finish my four year and get out of here.
1: Man, I'm gonna be honest. I decided, like, middle of high school that uh, <laughs> I don't really like. I don't really like doing any more school than I need to do, honestly. So, and the reason I, I studied public relations, and I don't have a great reason for that either. I just really wanted to go to UT Austin. Austin was where it was at. That's where you know the you know that's where the party scene was. That's right. where all the action was. And I, bad as it sounds, I went and Google searched, "What's the easiest program to get into at UT Austin?" <laughs> and So I applied to you know whatever to get into there. Yeah. And so I ended up doing public relations there, which was it was a great time and all of that. But, um, yeah, as mentioned, like, I don't think until a couple of years after I graduated, even I didn't really have a direction as to here's my five or 10 year plan. Here's what I want to do.
0: And I, I hear that. But if we look at your resume, you know, you've worked for some pretty large tech companies. So can you kind of talk about I know, you know, you've uh, recently made a big transition, which we'll jump into in a little bit, but um Can we talk about how you found some work with uh, Google, how you found some work with Oracle, Uh, especially since, like you said, you didn't know what you planned on doing coming out of college. You know, those are some big companies that people have been planning their whole lives to work for. So how did those opportunities come about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't say I'm any kind of genius or anything like that to get a role with those companies. A lot of it was just Austin is a land of opportunity. And so, you know, a lot of folks that are listening that maybe think, say, these companies are inaccessible or I could never work at a place like Oracle or Google. These companies are growing. They're hiring steadily for people with all sorts of backgrounds. So I was lucky enough. I was working with a friend and someone at Oracle just reached out to me on LinkedIn. And mind you, at the time, I didn't have any sales or tech experience or anything like that. I was, you know, just like a regular kid straight out of college. So I joined Oracle in a sales role and I worked there for a couple of years. Then, you know, same thing with Google. They just were growing so much in Austin at the time. I had somebody on LinkedIn reach out to me, "Hey, do you want to come join Google?" So I joined there in a sales role and I worked in Google sales for a while. And lucky enough, I worked in sales and I and, and I, I talked to a bunch of people at Google. It's a real cool family kind of atmosphere over there. So just with some of the connections I made, I was able to jump out of sales and into like more of a strategy focused role. So I was in a you know, role with what they call program management. My job was how do we bring more customers onto this Google Cloud platform? What are all the marketing levers we can pull and the the financial levers, the pricing levers? And that was the greatest experience for me because it taught me to like flex different muscles in my mind that maybe up until that point, I really hadn't had a chance to flex. Thinking strategically, thinking like an owner, thinking like it gave me like a sense of being an entrepreneur almost in in a risk-free environment. But Yeah, all of that to say, you know, um, it it sounds real nice in the resume, Google, Oracle, all that. But I promise you, uh, there are a ton of companies out there that are hiring and looking for people to join.
0: I love it. And so you you mentioned that those were you had some sales roles there. So obviously sales and the skills you develop in sales are applicable to entrepreneurship. 150% 150% at least in my opinion. Um, yep. So can you talk about maybe some skills that you built while you were working at those jobs, such as scales and how they've kind of um, transferred with you or or been applicable to the real estate industry and with what you're trying to build right now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at a high level, what you'll learn working in a corporate environment, a lot of people are there. They're just, they're just clocking it in. I'm checking in at nine. I'm leaving at five. And you can do a lot. You don't got to be the brightest person in the room. You don't have to be the one that went to Harvard or Stanford to excel. If you go in and you really give it 100%, you're going to outperform 95% of people around you. That's the nature of corporate life. And you take that mentality to entrepreneurship, it is the exact same thing. There's, there's a couple of folks on Twitter that I really like in real estate. And uh, they put their whole playbooks out there all the time. Here's exactly how we look at deals. Here's exactly what we do. And people ask the question, like, how are you giving all this information for free? How are you giving your playbook? And the answer that one of the guys gave was awesome. He said, well, I know 99% of y'all aren't going to put in the work, so it's okay. I I, I don't mind. I don't think anyone's going to come and steal it.
0: (laughs) That's so real.
1: Yeah, 100%. So, I mean, the big thing I took away in that environment, just go put in the work every day. You're 95% of the way there. Don't have to be the brightest. You didn't have to go to Yale or Stanford. Anyone can go and just put in the work. But outside of that, man, the actual tangible skills, sales got me a great chance to talk to people it's an uncomfortable role when you start in sales and you don't have a background. I started just cold calling people. Like my job was working at tech companies, picking up the phone, calling total strangers, not only total strangers, but CIOs, VPs of it seasoned like veterans at big companies. And here I am like this 22 year old kid who just learned about these products like a month or two ago and had a little training and it's uncomfortable to, to make those calls and all that. So it taught me a lot about being uncomfortable. Like, Hey, growth comes from being in uncomfortable situations. And if you're going to be an entrepreneur, I, that is your everyday, right? You only grow when you're putting yourself in those uncomfortable, challenging spots. And I, I think I took a lot of that with me, uh, you know, when i when I made my moves.
0: Absolutely. And speaking of uncomfortable, last month, um, you, if I'm correct, submitted uh, your resignation from Google um, and decided to go full on into what? It, what's the name of your company, by the way? Is it Pebble Ridge Capital?
1: Yep, Pebble Ridge Capital. That's right. Oh.
0: Awesome. So you you submitted your resignation at Google and decided to go full force into real estate. So talk to me about that decision. Like I'm sure a lot of people, that's actually how I kind of came across you personally is just that tweet on Twitter and then ended up um, just looking at some of some of uh, the stuff you do, checking your LinkedIn, you know, doing my little research yeah. as a as yeah, a yeah, yeah. podcast person and somebody that just likes business. <laughs> um, so talk about, you know, that uncomfortable move. You know, that's pretty ballsy. That's pretty, uh, you know, you got to you got to like they like they say in uh in, in football you know what I'm talking about <laughs>
1: yeah go ahead yeah yeah no man it was definitely not an easy choice it's one I agonized over for a while and uh you know what folks maybe don't see cuz there was they, they did a little article in business insider and all of that uh talking about the experience but it, it was not an overnight decision. It was it was like a decision a couple of years in the making, right? Um, you know, as I mentioned, the background is I started with just a couple homes in Austin. But I looked around and I would be on Twitter and social media and all these things. And you see all these people succeeding. And now, granted, you can't believe everything you see on social media. You know, everybody looks like a millionaire on social media, right? So take it all with a grain of salt. But you see that you know, people at a young age or so like, I'll put it this way, when you're working corporate, there's, there's kind of a curve, like, you know, you're making this much this year, you'll get a little bit next, more next year, a little bit more next year, but the rate at which you can grow, there's really, there's really for the most part a cap to it. A lot of places you got to serve your time before you go up to the next role and all that. There's not a bunch of 24 year old vice presidents at you know, these big companies, but being an entrepreneur and being in real estate really uncaps your potential, right? If I go out there, like I said earlier, if I go out there and just outwork 99% of people and you know I get to eat what I kill, I can do a lot for myself in these 10 years, probably a lot more than I could do for myself continuing to work at a company or corporation. And that's not to bash people working at companies. I learned a ton from working at those experiences. But to make a long answer short, the way I looked at it was, all right, 10-year horizon. What's, what gives me the highest chance at maximizing the amount of money I make? But more importantly, what gives me the best chance at the end of those 10 years? I'm living the kind of life I want to live. And the more I think about that, real estate just ended up becoming the more and more obvious, obvious answer. And you don't get a lot of chances like this in your life to take a risk. And so, you know, I'm young, I'm blessed. I don't have kids yet or anything like that, you know, hopefully soon, but it was, it was kind of now or never. If I, if I don't do this now, I don't think I'm ever going to take another shot like this in my life. So let's go ahead and take the plunge and see how it goes. I love
0: it. I love it. So I want to kind of jump into how you learned about the game, you know, how you learned about the game of real estate. So as you mentioned, you had a friend um, who was encouraging you to, to buy real estate. Can you can you talk about your relationship with that individual? And was he the first introduction to real estate? Was he who first introduced you to different concepts? And then from there, you started reading. Talk about like your start and in inundating yourself and the information and trying to put it into action.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was lucky enough where my start came from a manager that I had when I was working at Oracle who had, uh, you know, he owned some investment properties. He had some houses in Oklahoma and me and him were really, really cool. He was he was like a big mentor to me. He's a huge influence in my life. Um, and so I was just lucky enough to be around him and he pointed me in the right direction. I said, hey, buy a house just to live in. Start with that, right? Hey, you're spending all this money on rent. You've made some good money from your bonuses and sales and all that. I know you actually have been doing well. Put that money in a house, I promise you won't regret it. And he helped me buy that house. And then he just got me thinking about money in different ways that maybe I really hadn't been thinking about money. Um, you know, in school and all that, they don't really teach a lot of financial literacy, financial education. And so this idea of, hey, buy a house in the background while you're paying your mortgage, you're actually building equity. It's like almost like a little savings account that's back there that's growing and growing in the background while you sleep and all of those things. it, it, it taught me to kind of think about money and, and wealth in ways I hadn't thought about before. So I was lucky enough that he pointed me in that direction. But from there, man, like me and you were talking about right before we jumped on the media that is out there um, is better than like any university that you could go to. I started just like a lot of people. There's biggerpockets.com where you jump on there and it's a forum. You can ask any question and a hundred real estate experts are going to respond and help you and give you encouragement, tell you what direction to go. And uh, these days you jump on Twitter and some of the best commercial real estate operators are on there. Give it game out for free. Here's how we do things. Here's how we look at deals. Here's how you can find a deal. I mean it is unbelievable the amount of information that is out there online and not only that you reach out to some of these folks they are happy to jump on a call with you answer your questions one on one I'm telling you it's better than any education university could give you so to be honest like I don't I don't have like family members that did real estate I'm not very close with anybody that's just in this game I had a manager put me in the right direction and from there the internet really taught me everything else
0: I love it I love it so Ladies and gentlemen, I want you guys to really listen to what he said right there, because I think this is a constant in a lot of the interviews we do where a lot of people, yes, they went to school, yes, they might have had a mentor, but a lot of the information that they picked up on and then decided to take action on was stuff they picked up from the internet. And not to say that structuring university or structuring courses isn't amazing, but the internet and the power of the internet and the uh, the ability to leverage, you know, information and not only information, but relationships that you can build on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, uh, groups, uh, Instagram hashtags. Like there's just so much out there. And for you to not take advantage of that and then try to capitalize off of it. And then at the end of the day, take action. is just, uh, to keep it simple, stupid. (laughs) So, so, um, I love that. I love that so much. So what would you say, um, was your four, First uh, introduction to, uh, of how do I want to say this, introduction or information that helped you communicate to people, communicate to in- investors, potential investors. Like you said, you went back home to Houston, you were like, hey, does, is anybody looking to invest in Austin? Like, how did that go? Dive a little bit deeper into that, the conversations you had, how did you approach people what, like, how are you raising this money? Are people just giving you checks? or are, are you, like, are you, is there a specific account? Get into the deets of how that, how that looked, at least at the beginning.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to tell you this, and I, and I hope the listeners, you know, take this to heart too. When I first was 21, 22 years old and went back home and started asking people for money so we could buy this house in Austin, I did not have a damn clue what I was talking about. I was not a real estate expert. I did mm-hmm. not know all these fancy words they use in real cap rates, yield, you know, mm-hmm. cash on cash return. I wasn't yeah. talking that language. I went out there with some confidence. Um, I had a little bit of knowledge. Hey, I know all these people are talking about Austin is hot. Austin real estate is blowing up. And uh, you'd be surprised. There's a ton of, especially today, there's a ton of folks out there, really, really successful, wealthy individuals, um, you know, who are looking to invest money. And there's more money than ever sitting on the sidelines. And, you know, things like, you know, investing in real estate or investing in, you know, a business, e-commerce platform, whatever it might be. These are really interesting things to folks like that. And a lot of times they've never had, you know, someone be that connection point for them. You know, there's a lot of folks who thought, I want to put my money in real estate. I want to put my money in a business. And and nobody's really come to them to be that middleman. Be like, I will help you do it. Like when I got started, I used to be really, really, uh, what's the word? Like I would have a lot of doubts. I'm young. I've never done it before. Like who is going to take me seriously. And I was so shocked when I went out there with, you know, the little knowledge I had and I asked people and I don't, I don't think nobody said no. Everyone was like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. I would love to buy a house in Austin. And, and, you know, that's what, you know, a lot of people probably won't tell you every big successful real estate operator out there at some point or other had no clue what they were doing and they just got started and had the confidence to start. So yeah, I just went, put myself out there. Um, and you, and you learn it as you go. And again, I had the internet and then folks that I met online as my guide and and, and it all came together, but you just start with the confidence to ask, you'd be surprised how many people are looking Like you are, think of it as like, I'm not, I'm not here with my hand out asking you for money. I'm here to do you a service. You want to put your money in all these assets. You want to do this. I'm going to be the middleman. When you flip that switch in your head, it makes it a lot more easier. You get to get your confidence up and go raise money and ask folks for things and things like that.
0: I love it. I love it. So at that time, did you start uh, Pebble Ridge, like at that very time, or when did that, you know, become that concept of that company become official and something that you were leading with?
1: Yeah, it funny enough. Yeah, at that time, 2017 or 2016, Pebble Ridge was not like a word in my head. I hadn't really thought about that. And it, it was just something I was doing on the side. It was, you know, again, my manager told me, hey, build equity in the background, make your money from your job, put it in real estate. It's a t- tried and true way to, you know, build wealth over time. And as the real estate market got crazier and crazier, especially in 2020, 2021, and prices just went up, especially in Austin, um, you know, we, you know, we're blessed to have done really, really well. So now we're sitting here, okay, these houses we've bought have, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in equity that we've now built up. And, you know, some of the folks I had raised money from just asked me like, you know, is there something we can do with all that money? And, uh you know, encouraged me to go look at other opportunities. So I started looking at strip malls, self-storage facilities, again, all things that I was pointed in the direction of by folks on Twitter, uh, which has been a huge help. And to keep a long story short, man, just to take that money to redeploy it into bigger projects. And as a result of putting it to bigger projects, I had to go get more investors. And the next thing I know, this thing became a business. I, I had no intention <laughs> of this becoming a business, but it took on a life of its own. and it became a business. And at a certain point, it became so much, not just time consuming, but so much freaking fun for me to do. Like I was just having a blast doing it. That's when I kind of came to that crossroads, All right, Do I keep sticking it out with Google and this nice, you know, cushy job that I have? Or do I just go all in on this? But yeah, it really just, it, it picked up a life of its own. Officially formed maybe halfway through 2021 when we finally realized like oh wait this is this is actually a business I mean this is got all the elements of a business going for it let's label it as such let's market it as such and let's run it like a business and so that started probably about eight months ago for me I
0: love it that's the that's the best way for a business to come apart come about that's like the beautiful stories I like to hear I mean at the end of the day I love business so whether it was a plan from the time a kid was twelve or not but I love hearing like they just started hustling they just took action ladies and gentlemen, like what Faraz did is he took action, and he took action constantly and consistently. And then the fruits of his labor started to manifest. And he was like, Oh, shit, this is actually a business. Uh, I guess let's (laughs) make it official. And it's kind of it's kind of a I guess thing. And I feel like more people, especially young people specifically, should go about doing things that way with with whatever they want to do. It could be podcasting, it could be uh, comedian you could be it could be music it could be a, a web developer whatever it is just go out there and start doing it just start doing it and and figure out ways that you can provide value for your community or provide value for people around you with the skills that you developed or the things you enjoy doing and just do 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 and the next thing you know you're gonna be like oh shit this is a business <laughs> and then yeah I love absolutely it. And I think that's a
1: roadblock people have. Like, I've run into this a bunch of times in my life. People are like, all right, cool. I'm in. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be a business. And you start thinking five steps ahead about all the things of business. Like, I, don't, I don't know anything about accounting. I don't know how to create an LLC. I don't know. How, don't worry about all that stuff. That'll, that'll come with time, right? Like this, is like, this is like a big Lego building, right? You don't got to know how to put the whole thing together on day one. You just build brick by brick, right? So you want to start a business. You know what you're generally interested in. Just, Just take action. Like you said, just take the first step. I have to take the first step. The second step becomes obvious. Take that. You don't have to have it all figured out on day one. Don't let those things be the mental obstacle. I promise you that falls into place as you start taking action consistently, like you said.
0: I love that. I love that. And for those individuals who aren't too familiar with, with real estate and don't know what equity means, I know you speak a lot about equity in general. So can you share uh, maybe your own definition of what equity is and why you find it so valuable? And then I want to kind of Uh, A second part to that question is how do you take equity and redistribute it into further, you know, bigger properties or commercial properties like you're talking about, you're starting to do now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think like the dictionary definition, something like that, the easy way to think about it, equity means ownership. I own, I own a part of something that's valuable, that's generating income, that's got some kind of value to it, right? Uh, If you buy a house and you live in it, you have equity in that house. Like to take an example. So let's say you got a two hundred thousand dollars house, and I go put down my ten thousand dollars down payment to buy that house, right? I'm putting five percent down. Ten thousand dollars that I put in that house is my equity, as in I own that much part of the house. If I ever went and sold that house tomorrow, I'm getting that ten thousand back because I own it. But but to be more specific, the reason why the way I think about equity that's really powerful, and there's a ton of books and stuff about this. But what really changed my mindset is um, equity is. Like I said, your ownership, but that ownership is working to make you money on its own, right? So I put $10,000 in and I buy the house, right? Then I go on with my life. I'm going to my job. I'm making my money. I'm earning my paycheck. In the background, that $10,000 I put in, that house is maybe going up in value. It goes up another five, dollars dollars $15,000 every year. And I'm not doing any work to make that happen. I'm over here working my job. In the background, that $10,000 of equity is doing its own work. It, now that $10,000 has become $15,000, $20,000, $25,000. So to me, when I talk about equity, it's how can I make my money or, you know, how can I, I want to do work and trade my time for money and I have a job and then the money I make, how can I put that money to work where that money is making money for me in the background? Right. And so that's what you hear. A lot of successful people talk about your time. You can trade for money. Now, once you get that money, you instead of just keeping it in the bank account, let that money make you some money, whether that's buying a stock, buying stocks is equity. You're getting equity in those stocks, whether it's buying houses, whether it's investing in a business, whatever it might be make sure you're earning money in the background. That's the way I like to think about equity. Make money in the background, make money while you sleep, make money while you eat, make money while you're at work, make money in the background. That's how I think about equity. I love it. I
0: love it. And so you said that once you started realizing that over the years, Austin was booming, a lot of those properties, uh, you know, (laughs) increased in value, obviously. So the, the equity you guys and your partners have in all these homes or these properties has risen. And so you're like, okay, you have some partners that are asking you, what else can we do with that? So um, now you start looking at self storage facilities, commercial properties, retail properties. So how exactly do you, you know, take the funds or take equity out of a home or out of a property and redistribute that cash elsewhere? Are you taking loans against the equity? Like how exactly does that work? I don't want to get too into the nitty gritty, but I do want to talk about this um, real quick before we transition.
1: Yeah, I'll try to keep it really high level, but there's a million, and that's the cool thing about real estate. There's no one way to do things. There's a million ways you can go about doing things and people have gotten rich doing a million different things in real estate. But when it comes to, okay, I have this equity, this house used to be 200,000, now it's 400,000. So there's you know $200,000 of value that was gained or 200,000 of equity, but it's in this house, right? I can't go to the house and take money out of it, right? So what you do is exactly what you said, that you can either, you could sell the house, right? I sell the house. I take all that cash as profit. And now I can go do what I want with it. Or you can do what people call a cash out refinance. Okay, at the time I bought this house, it was 200000 Now it's worth 400000 So let me go get a loan from the bank. And I'll tell the bank, hey, this house is worth $400,000. Give me a loan for $300,000. And uh, I will secure that loan with the house. That means like, hey, if, if I stop paying this debt, you can come take my house away. It's worth $400,000. So you should be comfortable giving me three hundred. dollars Now what I did there, I took that $300,000 loan. Keep in mind, the house was only originally $200,000, right? So that extra $100,000. You know, two hundred thousand I take. I go pay off my old loan. That extra hundred thousand goes in my pocket, and that's what people call the cash out refinance. And there's a ton of other things you can do as ways to access your equity in the homes. But those are two of the more common ones. There's things like lines of credit, uh, a HELOC, home equity line of credit, and all sorts of things. Uh, again, that's where I encourage you to go to the internet. Right? Uh, there, there is a university of information out there. If you do ten minutes of research, you could probably become just as good of an expert as I am. And how do you take equity out of a house?
0: I love it. I love it. So, I want you to tell us a little bit more about uh, Pebble Ridge. Like, what's your guys' investment strategy? What is, uh, how do you guys find investors? Are you guys doing a lot of outreach? Is a lot of outbound, or do you guys have people getting referred in? Or just talk a little bit about how you guys make money and how you plan to grow and how you uh, do what y'all do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said earlier, uh, there today's day and age, there is a lot of money sitting on the sidelines. But what I mean by that is there is a lot of really successful high net worth folks who have a ton of cash and, you know, they've historically over the years put it all in the stock market or, you know, things that are really, really easy. The average person is investing in, which is totally a legitimate strategy. But as folks, you know, in those their positions, they start thinking, let me diversify. I don't want to be all in on the stock market. What happens if all? You know, Biden says this, inflation's going to happen to this. So long story short, people are looking to diversify. So more than ever, people are looking to put their money into assets like real estate. So again, it just comes to putting yourself out there. To get started, that's what we did. We went and put ourselves out there to folks, spoke with a lot of confidence and it turns out we were fulfilling a need, right? We thought, oh, my God, they're going to be doing us a favor. Looking back on it, we were doing them a favor. They, they We filled a very strong need for them in their you know, finances. And then after you kind of get past that part, it's always the hardest at first. But once you get in and folks are investing with you and you cut them that first check, it's like, OK, here you go. Here's your returns as an investor. I promise you stuff takes on a life of its own. They tell their buddies at work or they tell, you know, whoever else people have conversations. Yeah. I'd love to get into real estate. Oh, really? Would you? I got, I got this guy Faraz. Actually I invested with him. He does great for me. And a lot of it at this point is just word of mouth and referrals. So we, we started out, like I said, putting ourselves out there and now, the investor part of the business really it's taken on a life of its own and i think as we continue to do more and more deals that network effect is just going to keep growing and growing on twitter these days i see crazy stories i see folks who have been in the real estate game for 20 years they'll post a deal they'll send it out to their investor list right and they're looking to raise like 20 million dollars or something you know i'm, I'm not in the big leagues like that they'll say hey we're looking to raise 20 million dollars and they'll come and say oh we we raised it all in nine minutes um <laughs> oh, that's it, crazy Unbelievable. And it just speaks to the fact that the longer you're in the game, the more momentum you build. Getting started is the hardest part. Once you're in it, I promise you, it only continues to get easier and easier and easier, which is the beautiful part about this game. Nice.
0: And before we jumped on and started recording, we were talking um, for a moment and you say today's been a busy day. You've been doing a lot of interviews so can you kind of talk about maybe what, what, have been, what has been taking up a lot of your time lately and maybe what are some challenges that you've been either overcoming or, or facing on a day-to-day basis as you start to build this company?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we are definitely big time in growth mode, acquisitions mode. Um, so I'll tell you the hardest part about real estate right now and pretty much a lot of people in my position would agree. Uh, real estate market is hot. It's hotter than you know. A lot of people have ever seen it. Being, meaning, the it's it's really expensive to go buy. Even you know, forget commercial stuff. Forget strip malls, self storage. Even to go buy a house is really really difficult these days. I'm sure you know. You probably hear people talking about it, and that makes life tough as an investor. If I'm paying a lot of money up front, that means I'm not going to make as good of a return on my investment. If if I have to put a lot more money in it up front, so that's definitely the challenging part of the business. But it goes back to what I said earlier. Okay. One, it's a challenge, which honestly I like because that, that causes a lot of people to quit and give up. Ah, oh, it's just not going to work. Oh, I looked at like three deals. They were all too expensive. Yeah, this will never work. Okay, you looked at three deals. You got to go look at a hundred of them, buddy. Not only that, um, you know, we love the fact that it's a challenge because it's a barrier to entry. Like what I spend a lot of my time doing these days is what I used to do in my sales days. I go make a list of people that own the properties I like. I pick up the phone. I call them. It's really uncomfortable. Uh, I put myself out there. Say, hey, I'm, I'm Faraz. I own a couple of properties nearby would you be interested in seeing an offer? And so anyways, to go back to your question, we're hiring people to do exactly that, exactly what I just mentioned. I'm on the phones all day long talking to owners these days, and we're trying to hire an army of people that are going to help me be on the phones and help my partner be on the phones and, and um, you know, find those properties. Because again, that's the big challenge in real estate. But in my mind, I love that that's the challenge because it's going to keep a lot of people out of the game. A lot of people are going to quit for that reason. And those who can break through and nail it, are the people that come out on the other side really, really rich? So, you know, wherever there's difficulty and the a challenge, there's probably a lot of reward on the other side.
0: I love it. I love it a lot. Right on, man. I love that. I think one thing about real estate is no matter how old you are, no matter where you come from, no matter your background, no matter how tall, how short you are, you can find a way into the industry, find a way to make money in real estate as long as you apply yourself, you take consistent action, you don't quit. Um, like, I think it's been so cool to, to see young people like you and young people in my own community who are out here and are just doing what other people aren't willing to do. And because of that, they're able to feed their families. And obviously there's so many things you can get into the weeds about on in real estate. I mean, I know myself, I'm interested in real estate and sometimes I'll be on Twitter and I'll just see some shit that makes no sense at all. I'm like, I do not understand what this guy is tweeting about but like in those situations taking that tweet and putting it in google and researching these words and writing them down in your book and getting on calls with people and just taking action and showing up is you know why i believe you're here today and why i believe the the listeners here today that that might be interested in real estate will go you know on and be successful in that world so I love to hear it. Um, what about have you been able to get any of your friends, any of your family, any of your cousins like interested in real estate just by talking about it all the time or just being in this world? Is there any has there been any, you know, byproduct of your energy fed off on somebody else close to you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, these days, real estate investing is getting more and more popular. I mean, you go on Facebook, you see ads for gurus talking about here's how you flip houses, this and that. So it is popular. So yeah, I I definitely talk to people, um, you know, like kids that are in college or just coming out of school that are interested in real estate. And I love, it's one of my favorite things to do is sit down and answer the questions that they might have about real estate. Because, you know, like I said, I I was lucky enough to have someone to point me in that direction, which I think was huge. Um, So I'm always happy to do it myself. And yeah, with friends and family. I mean, only thing I'd say is they've been all they've been all really, really supportive, which which is the biggest blessing I can ask for. It's, yeah. it's not Hell easy yeah. to come to your family and say, hey, I got this job at Google, but uh, I'm mm-hmm. going to leave. And we may not make money for a couple of years, but I promise it's going to work out. And uh, for them to come and have faith in you is really a blessing. And, and so that's that's all I can say. I'm really grateful for that.
0: I love it. I love it. And so what we're going to do next is I'm going to uh, read a tweet that you tweeted and then we'll kind of just discuss a little bit about it. Is that okay with you? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So uh, a tweet you put out was, have you ever examined your relationship with money? Uh, Question mark. Once you're living comfortably, why do you keep chasing more? So the reason I chose this was because like we just stated, you know, when you have a job at, at Google, when you're working in sales where there is kind of a cap on income but kind of not a cap on income compared to you know some other positions and and you might be making good enough money to survive or or to buy a house or to pay some groceries like what was it for you or what is it for you what is like your do you have a number and if you're not comfortable like sharing that like what is like the ideal lifestyle look like for you to where you're like okay with where you're at financially and you're yeah. like, okay, I'm ready to like play a little bit because I think from, from yeah. the energy you put out there, most people who are entrepreneurs, they're never going to stop working because we thrive off of this, you know, like <laughs> we love it. Yeah. Um, but there is a point where we might feel a little bit more comfortable, you know, relaxing a little bit, going to have a little bit of fun. So what's that look like for you? What's your number? Or maybe what is the financial freedom life look like for you? Go ahead and share that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I'll tell you what inspired that tweet. You know, the funny thing is, I'm like, I'm probably like the cheapest guy, you know, man. Like, I, I don't, I, I eat at, uh, man, my wife's gonna be so embarrassed. I'm saying all this stuff. I eat at Taco Bell like two, three times a week. I, I don't go shopping. Like, I, I'm not buying clothes. I don't travel. That I'm as cheap as it gets. Um, so. A lot of times, you know, the money starts coming come in and it's good. And you're like, yeah, I'm making money. I'm making money. And I think I'm like, well, what am I even going to do with all this money? Like, I, I don't spend like that. I don't have a lot of things that, I, you know, I like to go out and do. And a lot of people do. A lot of people have their goals. They want to travel. They want to, you know, buy the Ferrari or whatever. There's nothing wrong with it. But the point I'm trying to make is, is, is this. At a certain point, I realized for me, I'm trying to get all this money. I'm trying to get all this money. And it's becoming a priority in my life. And certain things are getting deprioritized because of that you know, uh, a lot of times, you know, me, me and my wife should be going out or sitting down and having a conversation talking about how our day went. And my mind is still stuck on the money. Like, oh, yeah, how am I going to do this? How much money am I going to make on this deal? And I sit down and ask myself, like, I don't even spend money like that. Why am I thinking about money so much? And what I realize at a certain point is we're, we're in this culture, you know, that I talked about oh, on Twitter and all this stuff. It's great because you see all these successful people and you learn from them. But there's a there's an ugly side to that. The ugly side is subconsciously you start to train yourself to think oh it's all about money people are always talking about money how to make money um and if i want to be successful these people i look up to i have to make money and so it's not even now you're at a point it's not even about like oh money is gonna help me buy groceries and this it's like money's just a scoreboard like the the higher the more money i am the higher i'm the better i'm doing in life and all of that and you just have to be wary of that at a certain point everyone's got their own number if you want to live a great lavish lifestyle nothing wrong with it just make sure you understand, okay, I'm chasing money, but why? Why am I doing it? If it's just for your ego, if it's just because, well, everyone on Twitter is doing it, so I should do it, make sure, just double check, is that the healthiest relationship to have to money? Am I putting down other things in my life that I probably should be elevating a little more because I'm, I'm too focused on the money? Just, just think about it a little deeper. That's That's all I'm asking, and I'm blessed. I'm blessed to say that, first of all, because you know, a lot of folks struggle with money. Financial finances are a struggle for a lot of people. They're people that can't make ends meet, right? Um, and you know, me and a lot of people are blessed to not have that worry in our life. So once you get to that point where you're comfortable, right, where you don't have to worry about can I make my next payment? Can I put food on the table? Then really just make sure you ask yourself, okay, I'm doing all this stuff. I put in all these, this is how I spend my time and my day, but why am I really doing it? Make sure you're not ignoring stuff. I mean. Folks in their 20s and 30s, they're always like us, entrepreneurial, chasing the bag. You know, I'm going to be successful. When you look at folks who are in their 60s or 70s, are they really always talking about, oh, yeah, I'm chasing the bag. And they tend to have a different perspective, right? Right. Oh, I'm spending time with my family, this and that. I think over the years, those folks probably stopped and realized at one point, okay, I've got the money. Why do I care about it so much? It's not even about buying groceries or anything anymore, right? It's just it's a scoreboard. Don't don't let it be that. Anyways, I could go on and on. Let me let me stop there. But that's kind of what inspired that tweet. You know, just think about why I'm chasing like really, really deeply think about it. If you don't have a good answer, make sure make sure your priorities are straight. I love it. I
0: love it. Could you share one book and then one person because we keep talking about media. So one person off of Twitter or YouTube or or some content that you consume from a specific individual and one book that's been super helpful um, for you in real estate. Um, and then one for life, just life in general.
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, there's a guy on Twitter, he's a pretty big personality, Nick Huber. I mean, maybe a lot of folks on the podcast have Shout heard. Shout out him, Sweaty out of Startup, maybe. Yes, sir. Sweaty startup, the OG himself, man. And what I respect about him. That was the guy I was telling you about a little earlier, man, that uh, he'll put his whole playbook out there. Here's how I run my facilities. Here's what I look for in a deal. Here's how I find the deals. And I remember everyone was like, dude, you're giving your game away for free. What are you doing? And he was the one that's like, I'll give it away for free. 99% of y'all are not going to use it. Y'all are not going to do the work, right? What I love is how transparent he is. He puts his whole playbook out there. Talk about delivering value. That's um, amazing. I learned a ton from him.
0: Can you hear me all right? Um, Audio is still perfect. It's okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then when it comes to uh, when it comes to books, you know, I talked a little bit about equity and money, making money in the background. That's the classic of uh, book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that a lot of folks read. A really, really great book to, to get the mindset right. But a book I really love. There's a book called Pitch Anything. It's by a guy named Orrin Claff. So Oren Claff used to raise money for private equity and for ventures. He would go in and you know, he would pitch deals, pitch companies, and ask investors for money. And his book is all about the psychology of, of making that pitch. And so we talked about a little bit at the beginning, right? Hey, it's a little uncomfortable when you get started to you know, start a business. You know, when you first start a business, you're either asking folks for money and you have no experience or, you know, you start a lawn care business, you're going knocking door to door and I, I don't have a single customer yet, but please, uh, you know, would you, would you consider hiring me? It's an uncomfortable spot to be. That book, Warren Klaff, breaks down the psychology. When you go and start a pitch, when you make a request to somebody, can I get X, Y, or Z? What happens in their mind? What are the stages that your message goes through? First, it hits this part of the brain and it has this kind of fight or flight response. Then it comes into this information processing part of the brain. Anyways, I'll keep it short. It's a fascinating book and it'll teach you a lot about your psychology when it comes to talking to people, how to become more persuasive, how to get your message to really break through. Um, And it'll make you a lot more confident when you go
0: out and you have to do those uncomfortable things when you start in your business. I love it. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. So the last thing we're going to get into today is a few personal questions, um, and then we'll wrap it up with our, with our uh, finale question that we ask all of our guests. So um, how do you, question number one would be, how do you wish you spent your time 10 years ago? So when you're like 17, 16, when you're a late teenager, how do you think um, you'll wish you'd have spent your time looking back 10 years from now as well? So 10 years ago, how do you wish you spent your time? And then- um, 10 years from now, how do you think you'll look back and wish you spent your time?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. You know, a lot of people say 10 years ago, I'm not going to say, oh, I wish I was out there hustling, grinding, or investing in Bitcoin 10 years ago or something like that. <laughs> it awesome. I mean, 10 years ago, I was in high school. I was having a great time. I was hanging out with my friends. We were, we were, I mean, it's, it's, it's your youth, right? It's your young years that you're never going to really have that experience again. So honestly, back then I wasn't, you know, the motivated or focused or thinking about here's my five or 10 year plan. I was just having a good time. I wouldn't change that. I mean, you don't get those years back, you know, enjoy yourself in your youth. Um, you know, learn about yourself, learn about what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy that, that kind of stuff. You you don't get back later in life, right? You blink your eyes and you're 20 and you're 30 and you're 40 and you're not able to go do those things anymore. So enjoy it. And, Guess looking forward 10 years from now, it goes back to what I said earlier. Yeah, of course, I'm, I'm playing this real estate game. I'm competitive. I do want to be successful in it, right? Um, I, I do want to make the money and have the success and all of that. But the big thing in my life that I've been working on a lot recently is let's make sure that doesn't come at the expense of other things. 10 years from now, not only do I want to be someone successful in real estate, I want to be a father who's very, very present for his children. I want to be a husband that's very, very present for you know my wife and present for my family. Um, I want to get really, really good at that things and and really spend a lot of time on my relationships, right? Money comes and goes, but the people that have your back, they don't come and go. And I want to invest a lot more time in those folks over the next five, 10 years, for sure.
0: I love that. I love that a lot. Um, so I kind of already asked you this question, but, um, do you have mentors, um, outside of that original manager and outside of our, our, uh, virtual mentors like nick are are there any mentors in your life and if you had to suggest to you know a younger person 18 17 years old on how to choose a mentor what would you suggest
1: yeah that's always been an interesting thing for me because i'm always like what oh, do i do i just ask them, will you be my mentor that's weird I don't um so and i know a lot of people get confused for that reason how do i find a mentor i mean I wouldn't say I have like an official, like someone just like master Yoda in my life to tell me do this, do that. I don't have any of that. But what I do have is I will say is, is that online community, right? Um, thing I'll say is again, Nick Huber's out there posting content on Twitter. There's a bunch of guys out there, Moses King, all these guys posting the content on Twitter. But if you want mentorship, the thing I would say, at, if I was speaking to a young person put yourself out there, close mouths, don't get fed. You would be surprised. My, my perception used to be, these guys are real successful. They're rich. I'm a nobody. I mean, they're not going to spend time talking to me. Like they, they got a million things to do. You would be surprised if I was young. And you know, maybe the advice I would give myself five, ten 10 years ago is reach out to those folks. Just ask a question here or there. I mean, the other advice I hear a lot of times is, Oh, if you want to get a mentor, bring them some value. Don't just knock on the door and say, Hey, help me, help me bring them some value of course yeah you should definitely try to bring them so that sometimes i don't have a ton of value to give you right now but um you'd be surprised the generosity of folks out there is what i'm trying to get at just put yourself out there close mouths don't get fed reach out to folks on twitter on youtube folks like yourself reach out to them uh and you'd be surprised the amount of help that you might be able to get just from that Uh, i don't say i have any one mentor but i have a community that, that has helped
0: me get to this point i love it i love it i love it one thing i think uh Every, uh, tight knit community speaks about is the importance of community when you're trying to raise somebody, whether it's, you know, familial or just how to live life, raising a child or whether it's business and just having a community around you that you can bounce ideas off of, or I'm sure if a lot of you guys have probably read, uh, think and grow rich to having your own personal mastermind. So, um, the last question I want to ask you is, what are your three most valuable gifts? And I know that might be hard for some people to answer for themselves because everybody wants to be all kind and, not, and, and humble and all that, which is cool and all. But what do you think are the three most valuable gifts you bring to the world? It can be business. It can be personal. It can just be your smile, whatever. I don't care. But what to you, if you had to really look inside yourself, are your three most valuable gifts you provide for the world?
1: absolutely man i think the number one you know number one two and three number one for me is I'm, I'm i'm lucky enough to live a really really good life like we talked about i don't worry about where my next meal is coming from i don't have to worry about the money in the bank and all those things i'm blessed to be in that position and i'm grateful and so that's that number one thing i have that that sets the foundation for everything else to me. if you can zoom out every now and then and just be like man my life is actually really freaking sweet this is awesome when you zoom back in to whatever moment you're stuck in, it don't, it don't seem that bad anymore. And, and that's that's good because you know, especially you're running a business, there's a lot of days you're going to get kick in the guts, punch in the guts, something goes wrong, 20 things go wrong. If you can zoom out in that moment and just appreciate, all right, yeah, these things went wrong, but the rest of my life is amazing. You can come back to that situation and approach it with a sense of confidence. And not only just for yourself, but that attitude becomes contagious to others. And you can be around folks all the time. Um, you know, no matter what situation you're in, if you have that ability to be grateful, then that positivity really radiates from you all the time. And you bring that to every environment you're in. And that has a compounding effect when you're positive and you're grateful and that really shines through your personality, it draws people to you, right? And that creates different opportunities, the ability to talk to different people, relationship with different people. I mean, it starts and ends with like that gratefulness and positivity in your life. It'll get you through the bad days. It'll make the good days feel even better. It'll make the people around you feel better. And, and that's what life is all about um man outside of that i'm lucky enough where uh well one good thing i have i talked a lot about twitter and social media and all of that i'm doing a good job of uh of building a healthier relationship with that stuff um i watch how often i'm getting on my phone how often i'm scrolling through instagram and all that stuff it's, it's scary iphone has a feature y'all should go check out it'll tell you how many times you picked up your phone during your day Damn. um don't yet yeah, if you check it you're going to be you're going to be messed up uh like you might think it's 20. Like I just checked it the other day and I think I don't get on my phone that much. It was like 250 times in a day. Um, yeah, it's crazy. So, one of the things I feel like I'm getting better at is, is my relationship to the technology and my phone because what I see, especially during COVID, is like it's crazy. I, I'm sure you've seen it now. We sit in a room, four or five of us, and it's dead quiet and everyone is on their phone. It's just unbelievable. Imagine 20 years ago, somebody walked in and saw that. That's bizarre. How did that become normal? So anyways, long, long answer. What I'm trying to say is I think something I'm trying to be better at uh, in order to, you know, be a better person and, you know, be better in my relationships like I talked about is and make sure that I understand my relationship to my phone, to social media and all of that. Like, you know, the, use it when you need it. Put it away when you don't. I promise you there's an ugly side to it. So yeah i would say those are the two big things man for me be grateful and then you know with all this this crazy stuff happening in the world social media and phone just be conscious be be aware of your relationship go go check in your little app right now if you got an iphone how many times you picked your phone up and you'll be scared straight for life i promise
0: damn i'm i'm gonna send you a dm and be like hey this is how much mom was right after this good,
1: you're man.
0: but okay i love it i love it so uh First and foremost, I want to acknowledge you for, you know, the, the the smile that you've kept on your face throughout this whole conversation makes me feel like in real life, you're probably smiling all the time, too. And I think that sounds like such a generic compliment, but people often don't uh, appreciate how important and how good it makes you feel when you walk past somebody that's just smiling and radiates good energy. And I just want you to know that you do that. So keep that up. Um, I also mm-hmm. want to acknowledge you for your hustle and commitment to taking action because you could have acquired the information um you could have had a nice community on 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 twitter or with family you could also have a great manager that suggested something to you but at the end of the day you had to make the decision to take action and move forward every day so be proud of yourself for that i know oftentimes it's hard for us to pat ourselves on the back make sure you do that so keep it up thank you for coming on today and spreading some love putting some good energy out there sharing some information and and letting the people hear your story so um before we transition off this conversation and, and and this call today i want to ask you our final question that we ask all our guests it's your last day on earth you've lived to be 179 however old you want to be you've you've done everything you've wanted to do in life you've achieved all your goals in real estate or as a husband and as a father um but it's your last day on earth and this is the last thing your great-grandchildren get to remember you for and they ask you great grandpa give me one piece of advice on how to live life what are you going to tell them
1: Man, you're going to hit me with that right at the end. Uh, that's a great question, man. That is a great question. Man, you know, not, not to be repetitive, but it's exactly what you said. Life is go- life's got its ups and downs. I mean, especially us young people, we, we haven't seen the worst. There's going to be worse days ahead. There's going to be better days ahead. It's a up and it's a down. And if you let yourself be on that roller coaster, you can get lost. If you smile through it all, I mean, it sounds so cliche, like you said, it sounds so cliche and I feel bad because sometimes, you know, people are going through real, real stuff in their life, real hardship, right? And it's not easy to go through, but if you can maintain that little bit of gratefulness, a little bit of positivity, and you can not only that, but let it shine through, share it with the world, walk around with that smile on your face. I promise you, your your life is going to get exponentially better. You know, folks around you, life's gonna be actually better. You know, the one thing, the one thing that I, I hear people say all the time about folks that are successful, like, oh, that guy just got lucky, right? Like, oh, that guy started that business, man. He just got lucky, man. It worked out for him. But they don't see behind the scenes that that dude probably tried something 20 different times and one of them hit. You didn't see the 19 that failed, you saw the one that hit. And you're like, oh, man, he's so lucky. No, he or she tried a bunch of things. Even if you kept failing, even if life kept kicking you, you maintain that positivity you are bound and destined for success. It is inevitable. You maintain the positivity. You stay on your feet. You keep smiling. You you elevate the others around you. You might get knocked down 19 times. I promise you, it is inevitable for you to succeed.
0: I love it. I love it. Thank you. Before we sign out, let the people know where they can find you on social media, how they can support you in your business, and any last words you have.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Our business is Pebble Ridge Capital. You can find us at pebbleridgecap.com. You can sign up there and get some more information. You can find me on Twitter as well. I'm F-A-Z underscore H-1. So You can find me there. And uh, yeah, man, shout out for you know having me on the show. You are a natural at this, man. I mean, you are like born for podcasting. So I, I wish nothing for the best for you. Uh, I know you're going to be successful. I, I'm just grateful to be a part of it, man.
0: I love it. Thank you, man. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you leave a five-star review. Share with a friend because that is the only way we can grow. This is your boy C-I-Dou-Z-Y, signing out. Salud!